Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. place I would rather be than with you guys and uh, we enjoy celebrating with you and experience the life of Jesus that he's given us together amen and many of you have been traveling or will travel we want you to be safe while you travel but we're glad you're here when you're here and uh, we're just delighted that you've chosen to worship with us today this is an important week in our body Um, several of our folks have already hit the road many more will this week and they're headed to Florida uh, for our national youth conference called Youth Quest, our national youth pastor actually attends here and worships here, and so uh, we want to make sure that uh, over the course of this week we pray for Charles Boyd and his family, and all those from our own body that work so diligently to make that event a powerful platform to reach thousands of young people. They suffer for Jesus on the beach, <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> and uh, we will not be jealous at all. In Jesus' name, but I pray they get sunburnt. Never mind. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just a quick update before we get started this morning in the Word. Uh, how many of you noticed some changes out there? The concrete's going down. Yeah, that's a good thing. They have informed me that they are intending to be completely done with all of that parking driveway, all that, all the sidewalks, all that good stuff by about July the 16th, uh, which that's great. Uh, but let me also tell you what that means. Uh, after that finished day, if they actually finish on the 16th um, and they're moving pretty quick, uh, that gives us about six weeks after that that they will make the final uh, plea for permission. That We've already got it, but they've got to go apply for the permits. So sometime around the 1st of August, last of August, that means they're going to be ready to move to the entryway and to the kids' building. And those of you that have been attending here and, and know all about what we're trying to accomplish here, you also recognize that at that moment, that means that our seed offering is due, that $75,000 that we've been working on, we're, we're sitting at about $33,000 short. So we've got about six to eight weeks to pull that off. And so we need, for those of you that have made a pledge, if you have not given towards that pledge, please do so quickly. If you've already given a pledge, had one individual tell me this morning they've already fulfilled their pledge, but I'm going to make another one because I believe God can come through. Amen. Hey, God can work quick too. He doesn't just work slow. He works quick. And so if you've already fulfilled your pledge, maybe you need to pray and ask God about another pledge. Or if you've given nothing, now's the time because together we're going to see God do this. Amen. We're excited about it. Well, uh, you're in trouble because when the preacher's been gone for a little while and doesn't get to preach, There's only two things that can happen. One, he's either going to lose his voice, or two, he's going to be really long-winded. So don't be praying against my voice because i got another service after this. So y'all just going to, I'm going to do my best. We start a new series this morning. So if you will, let's dive into the Word. Let me say this as an introduction. It's long. It's lengthy. It's passed over those who prefer brevity. It is neglected by those who prefer, prefer short and sweet. It is absolutely shunned by the Reader's Digest crowd. But for all of that, it is also worth the time to dig into because in its great length, it also has great depth. It's multifaceted. It is rich. 
and it, it's worth what time we will take to explore it. It's the 119. It is the longest chapter in the entire Bible. And before we begin to dig into it, I probably need to give you some important understanding or background that may help you understand why it's so important for us to spend the time that we're going to spend on this one chapter. The 119, we're talking about Psalms 119, of course, is broken down into 22 stanzas. Uh, and in, that, in each stanza, there are eight uh, verses, and each verse is comprised of two lines. Uh, each stanza sequentially begins with the letter of one of the Hebrew alphabet. And so there was structure in this chapter that was thought out. This is not just like David being verbose or long-winded on a particular day. He just decided, I'm going to tell you everything I know, and so I'm just going to throw it all out there. No, there's some structure. There's some thought put into this. David is giving us some deep truth, and we need to understand that. It's thought out. It's developed. In fact, there's a tradition in the Eastern Orthodox Church that King David was in fact using this teaching, this psalm, to basically teach his son Solomon the Hebrew alphabet, much like we would sing the ABCs. He was teaching him the Hebrew alphabet, and at the very same time what he was doing was he was teaching Solomon the alphabet of the spiritual life. So as tempting as it may be, I will refrain from taking one stanza for the next 22 weeks and going through them. I'm going to do my best not to do that. And we're going to try to bring it down. Because for whatever reason, David's length seems to spawn or give birth to more length. Uh, in fact, if you begin to study this chapter, what you recognize is that uh, Spurgeon, when he was uh, looking at the Psalm 119, that he has 398 pages written <laughs> about that one chapter. Uh, you go study the, the sermons of Thomas uh, Manton, an old preacher. Uh, he developed 190 sermons based upon the chapter 119. So it's going to be a great task for me to pare it down and weed it down. But what I've discovered as I begin to look over the 119 is that, in essence, there are some themes that run throughout that David was trying to drive home into the heart and into the spirit of his son Solomon. And so what we're going to do is over the course of the next four or five weeks, we're going to look at some themes that he dealt with, and then we're going to deal with some specific lessons. I, I will task you over the coming weeks to take the time. I'm not going to read it all this morning. The entire chapter, uh, Psalms 119, it's good reading. If you don't know where you should read, you ought to start at the beginning and read to the end. Uh, instead, what I want to do this morning and over the course of the next couple of weeks is pluck out some verses that speak to the theme that David is sharing, and we'll check those out. The first theme, and perhaps the most obvious theme, that David spends considerable time addressing in the 119 is he addresses the theme of our need for the Word of God. Uh, you should probably know this because 
as little as many of us know about the 119, most of us at least know one passage of Scripture, verse 105, which we're going to talk about a little bit, where David says, the word is a lamp unto my feet. So we recognize, even if that's the only verse we know, that David was at least telling us it's somewhere in there that God's word is important, but we don't recognize just how important David makes the word of God and says that the word of God is for us. And so he drives that home over and over and over again. So I want you to listen to what David's words say about the word this morning. He basically says that the word has implications in three areas. The first one is this. David declares that the word has implications on how you walk. Let me see if I can help you. Psalm chapter 119, he, he kicks it right off from the very first verse. He, the first verse of the 119, he starts into it. He says this, blessed are those who, whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of God or the Lord, the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. It was important. In fact, now in verse 9, he says this. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? Here it is. By living according to his word. Then he goes on in verse 11. We, most of us know this one too. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Then he follows it up in verse 24. Your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. And then the one we all know, verse 105, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. David was telling us over, and, and by the way, I didn't get them all. You can go and find more. Go pluck and dig and, and see all the times he mentions your, your precepts, your commands, your law, your word, over and over and over again. He's basically saying to us that our knowledge and our exposure and our daily interaction with the word of God has a direct and a dramatic impact on our ability to walk before God. Simply put, he states this. It is God's word that keeps us from sin. Let me say it another way. We sin because we lack the word. Oh, y'all missed that. I, I, I've been gone too long. I just went right. Uh, you, we, we literally stumble and fall in sin because we have a lack of God's word in our heart and we lack a daily interaction with his word. And because of that, without his word, we don't know right from wrong and we don't know the standards that we should live by. We accept what society says is right and we accept what the society says should be our standards because we don't know his word. So we stumble and we fall. His word in our heart is what we hide so that we may not sin against him. Our issue is that we hide sin on, in our heart and we never get enough word on our own to drive out the hidden things that are in us. See, I've recognized something in my own life and I would venture to guess that it's probably true in your life as well. We are experts in hiding things in our hearts. We hide lust in our heart. We hide anger in our heart. We hide jealousy in our heart. We, uh, we, we hide racism in our heart. We, we have all these things. We hide them in our heart. And because we don't interact with the word, we have no ability to drive those things out of our heart. And so we come and we want worship to drive it out, and it doesn't work. 
and we want church services to drive those things out and it doesn't work. And we want prayer meetings to drive those things out and it doesn't work. Because David says it is the word of God that we hide down in our heart that dislodges all of that stuff and removes all of that stuff so that we can walk uprightly and purely before him. So if we have no word, how are we going to keep from sinning? See, I'm just trying to help you this morning to understand that David is clear that our only hope for walking in purity is to live according to God's word. Here, let me, let me help you this morning. We are saved by the blood. I understand that. I understand that, that you understand that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. If Jesus had not come and died on a cross, we could not be saved. We understand that. We are saved by the blood. In fact, we used to sing it, what can wash me white as snow? And we sang it right, nothing but the blood, right? As a sinner, that is right. If you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, your only hope for coming into relationship with the Father is the blood. The blood that Jesus shed on Calvary makes a way for me to have access to the Father. His righteousness, not my righteousness. We all agree on that, right? So we're washed in the blood as a sinner. But as a believer, we must be washed in the word. See, what I've discovered is that is happening is that what we want to do is we need to walk away from, not walk away from, but we need to understand that we need to move out of a bloodbath into a word bath. Because what we do is we want to keep running back to church and running back to God, asking Him to wash us in the blood. And what He's wanting us to do is to run to the word and be washed by it instead. Because what we want to do is we want to plead the blood because we can plead the blood and it doesn't cost me anything. Y'all miss that. I can plead the blood all day and say, Jesus, I plead your blood, and it never costs me anything. It doesn't cost me any pain. I'm not the one that had to die. I'm not the one that had to suffer. I'm not the one that had to give my life. So I want to plead the blood because it doesn't cost me anything. But what David is saying is that we need to become immersed in the Word, and to become immersed in the Word requires discipline, and we feel the pain of that discipline, so we don't want to deal with the Word. We just want to deal with the blood. I'm preaching. I know, I know I've been off and, and, and all, but I'm just telling you that too many of us just want to run to church week after week, and we want to plead the blood over our sins and over our trials, and we haven't inter- interacted or digested the Word at all, and then we wonder why we keep stumbling in our walk. See, see, we've got to understand that David states not only is the, 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 the Word what helps us to walk uprightly, David says that the Word is our counselor. We seem to have a multitude of counselors. We are inundated with opinions. Your life is completely overcome by opinions. Here it is. Everybody's got an opinion. All you got to do is ask a question on Facebook, and you're going to get like 9 million different opinions, and they're all right. Right? You can't convince them otherwise. They're all right. But David says that it is the word that should be our counselor. In other words, what David is saying is that the opinion and the standard of the word should trump all the other voices in our life. Too often we rely on a given word because it places the demand on somebody else. 
I'm telling you, I, I, I've just watched. I, I, I'm, I'm just trying to observe. I see people running to and fro from one meeting to another trying to get a word because th- that means they don't have to do anything. I just got to show up, and I want to place the demand on you. Tari, go get in God's presence long enough that you can hear his voice, and then I want you to bring me that word and give it to me for my life. I don't want to be tasked with digging it out myself. I know it's all there in black and white, but I would rather put a demand on you and get it filtered through him rather than digging it out for myself. I'm ranting. I know, I know, I know. See, I I just understand that David's emphasis on the word is that it impacts our life. And if there's an absence of, of the word in our life, then if we don't have the right amount of word in our life on a daily basis, then we're going to struggle to walk free of sin. And we're going to struggle to walk in purity. And we're going to struggle to have the right amount of wisdom operating in us if we don't know his word. So, so David says, look, if, if you're going to walk the way you should, you've got to digest his word on a daily basis. Then he goes on and he says this, this. The second emphasis on the word is this. The word has implications on how you weather. Let me, let me see if I can help you. Psalm chapter 119 verse 28. My soul is weary with sorrow. So send me to a counselor and let me pay him a bunch of money. I need somebody to listen to me, man. If I could find somebody on the phone, if I could just call somebody, I'd be all right. No, my my soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Verse 61 and 62. Though the wicked bind me with ropes, I will not forget your laws. At midnight, I rise to give you thanks for your righteous laws. It has implications on how I weather. Verse 74, may those who fear you rejoice when they see me, for I have put my hope in your word. Verse 114, you are my refuge, we sang it, and my shield. I put my hope in your word. Verse 165, great peace have those who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. 169, may my cry come before you, Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Verse 175, let me live that I may praise you, and may your laws sustain me. See, some of you this morning are right in the middle of a storm and you are facing significant trials and heartaches and you are no longer on the offensive. You are, in fact, on the defensive. Some of you are no longer the statue. Uh, you, you, you're no longer the pigeon. You're the statue. You'll get that later. Uh, yeah, so things are not going well. You are weathering. And David gives us this insight that it is the word that enables and empowers us to be able to endure and survive. Your daily interaction with the word will determine whether you will make it through what you're going through right now. You mean it's not about me? If I get in enough good church services, then I'll be able to weather this storm? No, that's not not what David says. David says it's about your word, the word that you get. David says this, his word strengthens us. If you are weathering something, then you need strength. The strength that comes from his word, not from your best friend. I couldn't get no help. Not from a vacation. 
Not from a shopping trip. Not from a settlement. No, your strength is linked to the Word of God. See, David declares that even when you're bound, based on the Word of God, we can learn to praise God right in the middle of the midnight hour. So my question to you this morning is this. Do you have enough word in you to turn your midnight hour into a praise party? Because your ability to praise Him when everything is going wrong is based directly on how much word you're interacting with because then I get my eyes off of what I'm going through to who's going through it with me. Do you have enough word to turn your pouts into praise? Do you have enough word in you to turn your gripes into glories in the midnight hour? He states that God's word becomes the place. Catch this now. If you don't catch anything else, his word becomes the place for our hope. In other words, if you're going through a tough place, you must remember to put your hope in what his word has promised you. Some of you have no hope because you don't run to his word and you have not done what David declared that we should do, which was this. He said, fix your hope in the word of God. In other words, what David is saying is that during your dry, during your painful times, that you need to figure out that you... Some of y'all praying for me to lose my voice so I wouldn't be long-winded. I know, I know. I see some of you back. I ain't seen some of you ever pray in any one of our services. Some of y'all are ple- Okay, I see how y'all are. That's all right. That's all right. We got to play. It's our hope. I need you to understand this morning that when you're going through a struggle and you're going through a trial, you have a decision to make. When your marriage is falling apart, when the bills aren't being paid, when everybody's talking bad about you, You have a decision that must be made. You must make a choice and take an act of will and assign and align your hope to the Word of God. Because there are a lot of times what you see in your, with your natural eyes and hear with your natural ears and feel with your emotions doesn't line up with what God has already said. And so you've got to step back from that and make a decision and a choice. I will align and affix my hope on what God says in His Word because His Word is true. See, His Word, according to David, brings peace. So then we can logically make this statement. If you don't have any peace, you must have no word. Because his word drives out fear. He says nothing. When you know God's word, there is nothing that can make you stumble. I I, I just got some truth for some of you this morning. He says nothing can make you stumble. Nasty divorce. Nothing. Crazy kids? Nothing. Mean boss? Nothing. Demon-possessed dog? No, I meant cat. That's closer to the truth, isn't it? Nothing. He says that the word gets into your life 
and it begins to strengthen you so that when all that other stuff begins to take place, you still have strength to walk upright. In other words, when you get into God's word, there is nothing that can knock you off your stride. He goes on and he says this. The word brings understanding. It sustains us. The word is our refuge. How many of you know a refuge is only good if you run to it? Yeah. It doesn't do me any good to build you a safe room if you won't use it in the time of a storm. Right? I got trapped. I, I lost everything. All of us got killed in a tornado because we didn't go to. Well, you had a stinking cellar like built 96 feet deep in your front yard. Yeah, but we don't like going down there. It's been tough then. Same principle in the word. He's saying, I've provided this word for you. And if you would dig into it and eat from it on a daily basis, it would strengthen you. It's the refuge we run to. See, if you are weathering, then it is absolutely essential for you to soak on and dine on and binge on the Word. And that is foreign to most of us. Because what happens is that when we're going through a tough time, we want to veg out on the couch and watch TV and not have to think. We want to turn to food. We want to turn to friends. We want to turn to distraction. And David says, when you're going through a tough time, you've got to turn to God's word because if you get into his word, it will help you weather what you should not have been able to weather on your own. Finally, not only does it impact our walk and impact our ability to weather, it impacts our ability on how we war. Listen to this very carefully. Psalm chapter 119, the 119, verse 42. Then I can answer anyone who taunts me. I know y'all don't have anybody that taunts you. I know the devil never gets up on your shoulder and starts speaking stuff into your ear. And David says, then I can answer anyone who taunts me. Why? Because I trust in your word. He goes on in verse 98, he says, Your commands are always with me, and they make me wiser than my enemies. Wow. Verse 114 again, You are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope in your word. See, we want God's help to defend us and to help us endure. However, most of us never seem to consult God on how to fight. We like to fight in our own power and our own ability and our own might. And here's the, end, here's the end result. We end up bruised and battered and defeated. Or we win and we look behind us and there's a path of destruction a mile long because we didn't fight right. And David is saying that our ability to war correctly is directly dependent upon our knowledge and our love of God's word. His word enables us. Here we go. Here's something you don't like to hear on a Sunday morning. His word enables us to guard our mouth. He, that's what he said. He said, they taunt me and your word teaches me how to respond. I can respond correctly. That would be a major leap towards maturity for most of us. If we just knew how to answer correctly. 
David says your ability to answer correctly is directly based upon your knowledge of the word. If we would simply give God's word command over our mouth, we, we do damage and we destroy and we inflict pain inflict pain with our mouth and David says that if we would get into his word we would know how to answer those who are attacking us and taunting us and talking bad about us if we knew God's word we wouldn't respond in Facebook like we respond just trying to help you he says the word makes you wiser than your enemy see uh, some of us can continue to fight dumb how much more effective would we fight and battle if we were able to fight and battle with wisdom some of you are pulled into defeat over and over and over again simply because your enemy is smarter than you we like to talk about the fact that God is smarter than the devil. And then we like to talk as if we're smarter than the devil. Because we know God. But according to what David says, it is our interaction and knowledge of the word of God that enables us to be filled with the wisdom of God so that then we know how to fight the enemy because on your own, I've got some bad news. On your own, he will kick your tail. Every time. Good news. Just came to bring some good news. The good news is that if you get into God's word and you dig and you consume and you interact and you fall in love with and you don't wait on the preacher to bring you a word but you actually begin to get the word for yourself, the Bible says that he can make you wiser than all of your enemies. So then you know how to fight smart. You got some smart bombs. You can assign them directly to do damage. His word contains strategies and tactics for victory. When we have no word, we operate in our own power and we get pummeled. And, and, and the example of that is found in the New Testament. When the devil comes against Jesus, Jesus, the son of the living God in the flesh, had enough ability in his own words to call people to life and to do miracles. But when he was confronted with the enemy of our soul, he didn't use his own words. He pointed back to God's word and the enemy was put to flight. If Jesus needed the word of God to fight smart, I would suggest that maybe we do too. Finally, David says he's our shield. So you won't make it in war if all you have is a sword. You're going to need a shield to be able to protect yourself. And here's why. When the enemy strikes you, how many of you know you're, if you're in a fight, and some of y'all are too nice, y'all ain't never been in a fight. If, if you've ever been in a fight, how many of you know that when you reach out to do damage, you are the most exposed? That, that, that's why counter punchers, tend to be very successful in the fighting world. I know y'all too holy to like watch MMA or anything, but, 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 but when I watch it, I recognize, yeah, I do watch it, and I recognize, somebody told me wrestling was gross last night. I begged a different, I wrestled and, yeah, it was gross. But, uh, <clears throat> but 
When you reach out to do damage, you are the most exposed and vulnerable at that moment. That's why you need the word of God in your life. It becomes a shield so that you can deflect the blow of the enemy. And when he's reaching out to do the most damage and you deflect that blow, guess what? Opening. Right about there. There's a spot you can just hit him about right there and it drops him to his knee. How do you do that? You get into his word so when the attack comes, you have something to defend yourself with. So that you can go on the offensive. See, some of you have a deficiency of fellowship in your life. We can't get you to come to nothing. I mean, you're just like the little hermit. You just want to stay at home. And you literally have a deficiency of fellowship. We should not forsake the gathering together of ourselves because we pull strength from one another. And you need fellowship. Some of you have a deficiency of fellowship in your life. There are others in this room that honestly you have a deficiency of accountability. You've got nobody that can say no to you. You've got nobody that can examine your life and say, look, you're not doing right. You have a deficiency of accountability. But let me just submit this to you this morning. My greatest concern is that too many of us have a deficiency of God's word. And you get the word at church, but you're unable to walk. And you're unable to weather. And you're unable to war because you are not in the word on a regular and a consistent and a daily basis. And and although accountability is essential, and although you need fellowship, the truth this morning is this. You cannot live your life to the level that you need to live it if you have a deficiency of God's word. You will fall flat on your face. David basically sums it up like this. Other things can fill that void up, but they cannot and will not help you walk whether in war. And if you don't have the word, here's what happens you can sum up the whole 119 when it deals with God's word in this statement right here. If you don't fall in love with and interact and digest God's word, you will stumble, you will surrender, and you will find yourself surrounded. You've got to get in the word. And David looks at his young son. And he says, I'm going to teach you about the most important things in life. And the first thing he teaches him is this. Get God's word in you. Father, this morning, under the sound of my voice, there are folks that are struggling with the deficiency of fellowship. They don't have relationship like they should. God, there are others in this room this morning that have a deficiency of accountability. They have nobody that's coming along in their life that can hold them to a higher standard. And God, I pray that you would fix those things, but that's not my concern this morning. My concern this morning is this. Too many of us, too many of us have a deficiency of your word. In fact, Father, the truth be told this morning, for many of us, the only word we get all week is the word that we just got. And we've grown comfortable in weakness. And this morning, I pray that you would challenge us, each one of us, myself included, to understand that a day cannot go by where I don't need more word. And so, Father, as a body in the middle of summer, when it's just us, family members, spending time together, I pray 
for each and every one of us that you would cause a hunger for your word to rise up in us. And God, I don't care if we've been in relationship with you for decades. I don't care how much scripture we memorized in Bible quiz and sword drills when we were 12. I pray that each and every one of us would find a new love and a new hunger and a new desire to dig deep into your word, to find the truth in that word that would enable us to walk uprightly and to drive the hidden sins out of our hearts. And God, I pray that we would find enough word and dine on enough word and dig enough word that, God, we would be able to weather every storm and nothing would be able to cause us to stumble. And God, for those of us that are in the middle of a battle, I pray that you would teach us by your word how to fight with wisdom and understanding. And so, God, I just leave this with my people today. And I stand in as a representative for them. God, I'm asking you to cause me to have more desire for your word than I have in a long time. Cause me to be hungry for your word. I pray that I would not rely on somebody else to regurgitate word for me, but I would get in the word for myself. And I would not run over and over asking you to wash me in the blood when what I really need is a good old word bath. I pray that I would be disciplined and that we would become students of your word. I pray that over each and every person. God, I pray that during this summer season we would grow in our depth of relationship with you and you would challenge us to get deeper and stronger and wiser and more effective in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, would you just do this with me this morning? Would you just reach over and let It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.